Hi, my name is Millie Vieira, and this is Global Tides, a podcast where I interview Pepperdine students and faculty that have produced excellent research. It's widely recognized that the Christian status quo does not actively welcome and support LGBTQ individuals. The LGBTQ community has faced a long history of discrimination by religious institutions, and they've had to work hard to create a meaningful faith practice in the face of this non-acceptance and harm. However, there are some institutions that have sought to defy this status quo and offer a community of acceptance and love and inclusion for the LGBTQ community. But how can these institutions achieve this goal? There are a lot of different avenues, but one of the answers lies in intentionally affirming church websites. Today we are joined by Juan Carlos Hugues, he, him, a senior majoring in psychology and religion and minoring in French. Thanks so much for joining me, Juanca. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Millie. So usually before I invite my guests to talk about their research, I like for our listeners to be able to get to know you a little bit better, just to understand your passion for your topic. So do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself? Of course. Um, so hello, everyone. I am a senior in college. Um, as you said, Millie, uh, I am a psychology and religion double major um, with a French minor. And some personal things about me. Um, I have been vegan for three years now. Um, I became one after I watched What the Health. Um, I also love reggaeton music and singers like Bad Bunny and Maluma. And also French singers like Maitre Jim and Nakamura. Well, I love that now we're going to be informed on some really great research. And also we have some some song recommendations to look up after this. So thank you. Um, now, Juanca, you're a member of the LGBTQ plus community, and you're president of Crossroads Gender and Sexuality Alliance, which is a space for the LGBTQ plus community at Pepperdine. How would you say that this identity has shaped your passions and your academic pursuits? Yeah, thank you, Millie, for that question. So yeah, being a gay man has definitely been an identity-shaping experience, um, and it has fueled my academic interests in social justice and intersectionality. So I'll go deeper into how it has impacted my vision of intersectionality. So um, as a gay man, I have been able to see points of marginalization and privilege in my life. So I am a gay, white, Latino man. Gay is a marginalized identity, but as a man, I'm not marginalized. I have privilege there. And then being Latinx is a marginalized identity because of xenophobia, but I I walk in a white skin. And so that is definitely, um, and that that is privilege. And I I see that. And so that has shaped my vision of the world. Um, And then it has informed my practice of social justice. I believe social justice is important um, and everything I do should be able to help bring people to the margins. And this belief is also informed by my Christian uh, ethics, right? All that I do um, from being president of Crossroads to having dialogues about um, being black and queer, Latinx and queer, and doing this research too. Um, all of this is so that I can have uh, bring individuals from the margins into um the table so that they can feel included and valued. And obviously it's so impressive that you've been able to conduct such meaningful research before you've even received your undergraduate degree. So I'm wondering with the school year drawing to a close um, and graduation is looming for the both of us actually, what plans or goals do you have for your future career? 
Yeah, so um, I think the biggest uh, example of all of my identities, experiences, and desires coming together um, is seen through the Think Swiss uh, scholarship um, that I received. So this scholarship um, represents me because it's doing research in Switzerland, in the French-speaking part of Switzerland. Like I said, I love French. Um, and I went to Lausanne two years ago during a summer internship in Geneva through Pepperdine, and I fell in love with it. And and so um, this year, conducting research with Dr. Rouse and wanting to um, understand the validity of this research and replicate it um, made me want to apply to the Think Swiss scholarship um, and to do research with LGBTQ plus Christians in Switzerland. Um, and so it just mixes everything that I love, French, uh, the LGBTQ plus community and Christianity. Thank you so much for allowing us the chance to get to know you a little bit better. So your research is about the impact of affirming versus non-affirming church websites for LGBTQ plus Christians. First off, what got you interested in this topic? Yeah, thank you, Millie. Um, there was basically two big things that uh, impacted me. And one was my personal experience with affirming and non-affirming churches. Um, so growing up, uh, I went to a non-affirming church um, and this really impacted me significantly because I didn't think I could be a gay Christian. So when I came to Pepperdine for my first year, I was struggling with, can I be a gay Christian? Um, and throughout the first year, I took classes and talked to more professors and mentors and realized that, yeah, I could be a gay Christian. But then my second year at Pepperdine, I really let, I realized that even though I could be a gay Christian, the the society, the status quo in the U.S., um, the Christian status quo in the U.S. does not support, affirm, or welcome queer people into all aspects of congregational life. Now, uh, uh, non-affirming churches was defined by Lewis as just that, not supporting, affirming, or welcoming LGBTQ plus people into all aspects of congregational life. Um, and an affirming church is the opposite of that. It supports, affirms, and welcomes queer people into all aspects of congregational life. Um, and just briefly, Millie, I want to touch on that point and that claim that I just made that Christianity in the U.S. is very traditional towards the LGBTQ plus community. According to Pew Research, in 2015, 70% of the U.S. is Christian and Protestant Christians within that 70% hold a significant influence in religious discourse in the U.S. So Protestant Christians encompass evangelical Protestant Christians, mainland Protestant Christians, Mormons, historically black Protestant Christians and more. Right. And I think that as we're recording this podcast episode in the middle of March now, um, actually just a few days ago, it made global headlines, but the Vatican came out with an official statement, essentially just kind of getting at what you've been saying. Like they might share, oh, we want to be inclusive towards LGBTQ plus individuals. However, um, they do not condone marriage equality in the fullest sense of the term. That is right, Millie. And even though I did focus more on uh, just Protestant Christianity, um, Catholic uh, Christians are also very um, traditional in this matter as well. Um, what the research has suggested is that Protestant Christians have higher levels of rejections towards LGBTQ plus people than people of other global religions, including Catholics. But that doesn't mean that they don't have like very little. They obviously do hold a lot of um, uh, rejection or homophobia towards LGBTQ plus people, but Protestants elicited the highest of, of the people sampled. Um, 
So uh, as membership of progressive churches, uh, which are more likely to affirm LGBTQ plus people into all aspects of congregational life, um, are decreasing. In, in reality, these um, churches are decreasing. Protestant churches uh, that are progressive um, or churches in general um, that are progressive are decreasing. Um, those are more conservative churches are increasing. So you would have more conservative Catholic churches, more conservative Protestant churches. Those are all increasing. Um, and unfortunately, um, LGBTQ plus people may have a harder time finding an inclusive church home that would be welcoming of their uh, identities. And this was researched by Jensen and Cheapers in 2019. Yeah, and Honka, you share in your work that approximately 59% of LGBTQ plus individuals are religiously affiliated. And now I'm not sure why, but when I read this, I was just struck that that number seemed higher than I, I would have put it at. Um, I don't, maybe that's just like what you're saying. I perceive the Christian environment to in aggregate be more, more hostile to LGBTQ plus individuals. So this figure just seemed way higher than I anticipated. Yeah, Millie, I was also surprised by this too. Um, now, LGBTQ plus people are less likely than the general public to identify as Christian per Pew Research, but that number is still more than half, right? 59%. Um, and that number would include LGBTQ plus Buddhists, right? Religiously affiliated LGBTQ plus Buddhists, LGBTQ plus pagans, um, and more. So I think the number shows the importance of spirituality for all people, even those that have been marginalized by the church. Um, and regardless of what institutions and um, doctrines are saying to people, uh, people are seeking ways to fulfill their spirituality in a globalized world. Um, and with that number in mind, um, I returning to the impacts that um, LGBTQ plus um, affirming and non-affirming churches have had on me. Um, all of this knowledge really is what influenced my pursuit, my third and fourth year of college, which is now as a senior. Um, I wanted answers. Would LGBTQ plus people feel accepted in affirming or non-affirming churches? Um, and just to clarify, Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox churches can all be affirming or non-affirming. So this is really just putting Christianity in a dialogue in and of itself. So would an affirming church, the a theology, Christian theology that is affirming people into all aspects of congregational life, um, make, make LGBTQ plus people feel like they're accepted? Um, or would non-affirming churches uh, not have a significant impact on the feelings that LGBTQ plus people would feel accepted. Um, and so I had this big idea, right? And um, this leads me to my second point of Dr. Rouse's personality class, helping me to find the method through which I would go about measuring this. So um, I had this big question, right? Would LGBTQ plus people feel accepted in an affirming or a non-affirming church? Um, so in Dr. Rouse's personality class, Millie, we actually looked at first-gen students. Um, there was research that suggested that first-gen students who were shown either a picture of a student, one student working on a project at a university um, versus a picture of a student at a university working on a project with multiple other people. And the research suggested that first-gen students were more likely to say that they would commit to the university when they saw a picture of multiple students working together on a project rather than when they saw one student working by themselves on a project. So it just goes to show the impact that images, the impact that websites, um, and I'll go into that later, 
which is what we used for our experiment, have on people. So then um, after seeing this research in Dr. Rouse's class, I went to office hours to him and I told him, we should do one for LGBTQ plus Christians. Would show in a flyer with affirming theology, non-affirming theology, non-affirming messages, affirming messages increase the feelings that lgbtq plus people will feel accepted um and so we were bouncing ideas back and forth and then we came up with websites as a better form of measuring this um and the websites would be a proxy for different church views on the lgbtq plus community right so in the this scenario the uh the views would be an affirming or non-affirming church gotcha and just to clarify how would you classify an lgbtq plus affirming website versus non-affirming Basically, what were the, the working definitions within your research? Thank you, Millie. Yes. So um, as I b briefly touched on previously, but I guess I'll flesh out more now, um, Lewis 2015 came out with a definition for affirming churches, which are churches that welcome LGBTQ plus people into all aspects of congregational life. Um, <clears throat> and then a non-affirming church is a church that does not welcome LGBTQ plus people into all aspects of congregational life. And more specifically, what is congregational life? Well, it means serving in the front, um, taking the Eucharist, um, taking um, uh, baptism, right? Or placing membership, uh, marriage. All those are institutions within the church. So would an affirming church cause LGBTQ plus people to feel accepted or, or, or not? Um, and so another definition that I want to offer is acceptance. What is acceptance? Because I've been mentioning that. But acceptance was defined by Ben Valen um, as lack of judgment, um, positive nature of a church, emotional support within a church, feelings of inclusion in a church, and then church teachings and values within a church. And Ben Valen, they um, actually were able to create a survey that we then used to give to our participants. Um, and so with our experiment um, and with Ben's um, uh, survey, we were then able to make an experiment that would test the causational impact of affirming and non-affirming messages on LGBTQ plus people's feelings of acceptance for for that church. Now, I want to state before we move on, Millie, that um, before research has suggested that there was a link, right, that there's a correlational link, but I was not satisfied with that. And, um, and so that is what motivated me to want to find a definitive answer. If, is, there, if, is this a cause? Is a church that is affirming or non-affirming a cause for the feelings that LGBTQ plus people would feel accepted? Gotcha. And I'm, I'm super excited to get into the, the nuts and bolts of the experiment. I want to ask one more question. I just was struck by this. Um, in your literature review, you referenced research that found that LGBTQ plus individuals that um, had higher levels of religiosity, the ones that cared the most about their religion, essentially, were actually more likely to have suicidal ideation. Um, I mean, this was devastating to read, but what what does your background and your research, like, how does, wh why is that happening? Can you, can you share a little bit more about why that correlation is so strong? Absolutely, Millie. Um, yeah, this is a, a devastating... Um, uh, you know, uh, statistic, um, and finding, um, but it does suggest, um, that research have, uh, posed that 
the reason why, uh, the possible reason why LGBTQ plus people uh, are more likely to have feelings of suicidality when they increase their church attendance is because um, oftentimes these these individuals, especially if they're young, they're going to an unaffirming church. Remember I said that the status quo in the U.S., um, Christianity status quo in the U.S. is not is traditional, is non-affirming. Right. Um, right. And so when you have these kids or when you have these teenagers or even adults in traditional areas um, who are queer, they have feelings and desires of feeling accepted, belonging, of... Um, of wanting to express their sexuality, their genderqueer identity um, to the world, to their family. But then at the same time, you have the reality of the status quo. Um, the reality is that a lot of churches are non-affirming. So these feelings and desires with the person and society clash um, and it creates a tension in their lives. So when LGBTQ plus people go to church, which uh, is very heteronormative and confronted by that, and they're queer, um, then you create this internalized homophobia. Why? Because then you're realizing that, oh, I need to be straight in order to fit into the theology of God. I need to be straight in order to fit in into the what it means to be a Christian, right? And as a result, this causes this internalized homophobia that stems from heteronormativity, which is an institution in and of itself, um, causes re uh, or is... Um, influences a higher risk for um, sexual encounters, depression, loneliness, and suicidality, right? I cannot say causation, but I can definitely say correlation here. It increases all of those things. Um, so, so yeah, a non-affirming church really has a responsibility for, um, uh, plays a role, I'll say that, uh, plays a, a big role in uh, all of these uh, detrimental um psychological impacts on lgbtq plus people well thank you for that um i guess switching gears now i want to talk a little bit about kind of just the the methods and the process of your work so uh, do you mind walking our listeners through how you conducted your survey and your experiment yeah thank you millie um so i um so yeah uh let me just unpack how we created this um experiment so the first thing that we did was create two surveys um one survey was going to be used for recruitment of lgbtq plus christians and straight christians um and that was a simple like um what is your name what is your pronouns what is your um uh um uh, sexuality um, and and everything that is required by the American Psychology Association APA um, to be reported when you're conducting an experiment. The second thing that we did was another survey that was for testing. Right, so this this second survey was going to um, uh, incorporate Ben Valen's scale, um, and it was also going to be giving to four groups. Um, uh, LGBTQ plus Christians who would see a non-affirming church, LGBTQ plus Christians who would see an affirming church, straight Christians who would see a non-affirming church, and straight Christians who would see um, an affirming church, right? So four groups, each seeing um, two different stimuli. Um, and so then we hypothesize that if LGBTQ plus Christians are shown affirming church messages, then their sense that they would feel accepted by the church will increase compared to a control group of straight Christians. On the other hand, if LGBTQ plus Christians are shown non-affirming church messages, 
then their sense that they would be accepted by the church will decrease compared to a controlled group of street Christians. Um, and then uh, the next step into that was uh, get, getting IRB approval, right? So we constructed the surveys um, that would test people. So then we got that approved by the IRB and we recruited participants to the MTurk. Um, and MTurk, a brief description of it is an Amazon program that helps um, just people around uh, the U.S. and the world recruit individuals to complete tasks. Um, and uh, it was created um, a long time ago by Amazon, but it has since been used more by researchers to um, get individuals that they're looking for, right? So um, Dr. Rouse has actually conducted research on MTurk and its validity for experiments and research use, and it has been shown to say, show um, the same exact validity as in-person recruitment. Um, so yeah it's it's very um it's very it's very robust um the experiment that we that we planned um and through amturk uh it was going to be perfect even during this pandemic because millie you know this pandemic hit so it would have been yeah. very difficult to do this in person so right. amturk really helped us uh reach out to as many people in the u.s lgbtq plus christians straight christians in the u.s to make this happen and so once we put these surveys onto MTurk, we recruited people, and then uh, the people that qualified, then we gave them the experimental, um, uh, the experiment, right, and the different stimulus. Um, and then we are now collecting data. And so, yeah, uh, here's what participants would see. Um, so uh, you're a participant in our experiment. Um, okay. you're, you're a straight Christian or an LGBTQ plus Christian, right? Um, so when you see the, 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 you would see the survey, the survey would ask you different things. Um, what's your name? What's your sexual orientation, your gender identity, your socioeconomic status, uh, through, uh, Likert scale. Um, and then afterwards you would pass on to the second part, which is now we would like to ask you to take, uh, five to 10 minutes to look over the website, uh, linked below. And so we would take them to the website. So, um, you would either see an, an affirming church website or a non-affirming church website. Five elements differed between the two church websites. First, um, the picture and message on the landing page um, differed between the affirming and non-affirming church. Specifically, the affirming church had a pride flag and a welcoming message for queer community members, whereas the non-affirming church had a picture of a Bible and no mention of the LGBTQ plus community. Secondly, um, throughout the Affirming Church website, congregational leaders displayed their pronouns alongside their name. Um, and a box in the contact page um, invited interested visitors to specify their gender pronouns. Now, remember, this is all hypothetical, but um, we had to make it as realistic as possible. So um, I also want to mention that this briefly was um, inspired by affirming and non-affirming churches throughout South Carolina. And um, we also got the input of religious leaders. Um, so, so yeah, it was just yeah. to ensure that this was as realistic as possible. Um, and so thirdly, in order to elevate an emphasis on biblicism uh, that is often characteristic of conservative churches, which are also more than likely non-affirming churches, um, the non-affirming church website cited several scriptures in the church, church's mission statement. Um, so when you went to the mission statement of the website, um, it had different messages if it was affirming and non-affirming. 
Um, okay. And so in the affirming church, you uh, we emphasize principles of inclusion without specific biblical texts. Fourth, the affirming church had an LGBTQ plus ministry for queer members and allies, while the non-affirming church had a family ministry for dads and moms. And I want to specify the the fact that it's dads and moms and not moms and dads, just because um, there's an idea of the principle in traditional churches of uh the patriarchy, unfortunately. Right. Um, yeah. So we wanted to highlight that. And also heteronormativity, right? It's a mom and a dad, not uh, couples, right? Not right. not anything like that. Um, right. And then lastly, the affirming church participated in a pride event in June, whereas the non-affirming church participated in an Independence Day event in July. And that was really good because um, they were so close, right? June um, and July was perfect. and And we also just, I guess to briefly mention um the the location for this hypothetical church was in minnesota because minnesota is a purple state so it could go either way politically since of unfortunately a lot of um churches today are married with politics um so we didn't want to um elicit different responses if we said the affirming or non-affirming church was in california right right well i appreciate all the thoughtfulness and the work that you put into creating these websites. I'm excited to go and check them out after we finish this episode um, because that's just really fascinating to me. Um, And I understand that you're still in the process of synthesizing all the data that you've collected. Um, But I'm wondering if you're able to share what trends or conclusions you've been able to draw thus far in your research. We haven't yet performed a final analysis on the full sample. However, our initial analysis for the LGBTQ plus Christian sample completely supports our hypothesis that queer Christians felt a sense of inclusion and acceptance at the hypothetical affirming church and did not feel that sense of acceptance at the hypothetical traditional church. However, I must say that we have not yet completed our analysis and we expect to do so in, the cu- in a couple of weeks. Uh, once we write our manuscript, Millie, um, we would be happy to share the manuscript um, with the podcast and the links to the websites that uh, are going to be online forever unless Wix, you know, uh, br- uh, goes <laughs> bankrupt or something. They will be yes. online for everyone to see, for everyone to evaluate. Um, and so that listeners can read our full results. Amazing. And I guess one last thing that I, I wanted to close with was that you mentioned your findings could be synthesized with other projects and other research efforts that seek to address marginalized groups in church communities. So what could your research mean for other minority groups around the United States? Yeah, so this is definitely um, an impact statement, right? Um but uh, uh, first addressing the fact that how would this help other marginalized groups? Well, I think experimenting, um, you know, right now the church, uh, one of the biggest things that it's trying to understand, not only with LGBTQ plus um, the LGBTQ plus community, but also women in the church. I think an experiment demonstrating um, LGBT, I mean, uh, women Christians and and men Christians um, and genderqueer Christians, right? Since we're talking about gender here, um, what they feel in view of um, a church that doesn't have uh, a leadership that is um, for both men and women, 
I think that would elicit really interesting uh, results. So this experiment could be used for other, like as a model for other things as well. Um, and also just in general, my hope, um, even though I haven't written the discussion portion because we're still analyzing the results, my hope is that this experiment um, gives LGBTQ plus Christians um, uh, an evidence Right, because for the longest time, research has been correlational. Well, if you go to an affirming church, you're more likely to feel this. If you go to a non-affirming church, you're more likely to feel this. Well, we don't have to doubt anymore. If you go to an affirming church, LGBTQ plus Christians, you will feel more accepted. And if you go to a non-affirming church, you will feel less accepted. Um, and so it 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 is. This is an experiment for my community, the LGBTQ plus community, um, to have a sense of like. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not just in my head. I'm not making yeah. this up. Like, this is legit uh, happening to all, all um, uh, LGBTQ plus people in a, in a similar way. And um, I also hope that from this, affirming churches can adopt the principles that we used here, like pronoun use, um, events, uh, ministry programs um, uh, right. that are more welcoming to LGBTQ plus people. Now, I, I am not going to say a, a hope or a desire for non-affirming churches because um, in fact, frankly, I don't expect non-affirming churches to change given uh, a research, you know, giving an okay. experiment. Um, it's sad because that is not what motivates um, usually traditional churches. Experiments, research is not something I feel like <clears throat> really uh, makes them change. But at least right. at least my hope is that it starts a conversation that what they are doing um, in providing a heteronormative view of Christian theology has a responsibility in the feelings of acceptance for LGBTQ plus people. Right. Well, Juanca, I just wanted to thank you so much, first of all, just for sharing your personal experience um, as an LGBTQ plus man, but also I just think that your research topic is so relevant just in general to the United States, but also for our Christian university. So I think that your conclusions and your findings are so, so powerful, so relevant, and so needed. So I just wanted to let you know that I appreciate your research so much. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Millie, and I appreciate everything that uh, Global Tides is doing for students like, like me. Since we've recorded this interview, Juan Carlos was able to finalize his data collection and write his conclusion. Here's what he found. His hypothesis was correct that when LGBTQ plus Christians were shown non-affirming church messages, their sense that they would feel accepted by the church decreased significantly. On the other hand, when LGBTQ plus Christians were shown affirming church messages, their sense that they would feel accepted by the church increased significantly. Interestingly, while he didn't predict a direction of self-acceptance for straight Christians when they saw affirming or non-affirming church messages, he actually found that straight Christians also saw increases in their feelings of acceptance when shown the affirming church messages. While this increase only approached significance, it demonstrates how affirming church messages for the LGBTQ community can make everyone feel more accepted and included in the church. Thank you so much for listening. This episode was edited and produced by Taylor Matthews. Our next episode will feature Cameron Davis, music production student researching how feminism intersects with electroclash music. See you next time.